Hi, hello. Imagine that. 700 episodes in, we finally learn how to roll. We know how to record This shit. is how we roll. Oh, yeah, we can take roadies, by the way, because remember San Francisco. Roadies and psychedelics. Oh, is that finally legal? I've That's been California. Doing that since I first moved here, but it's yeah. finally legal to have a roadie. I've been ahead of my time since birth, though, so let's Everyone be honest. Everyone has. Okay, 700th. She's going to start us off. I am? Yeah, that's what I was saying. You should start us off. You've been fucking producing this shit. <laughs> Dealing with us. Welcome to Bitch Talk. Booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. So, um, see, you put me on the spot, and I don't know what to say. We're not going to look at you. We're not going to look at me. But, um, I'm going to look at the dog back there, resting its cute little head. Looking over yonder, the water, uh, live from the high dive bar in San Francisco, together again. Here we are. Reunited, and it feels so good in person. 700 episodes deep. Whoa. You tell me. Is <laughs> yours truly what independent uh, podcast has done 700. Truly independent. Not right. I only know Mark Marin has a shitload of episodes. That's all I know. Not even Conan O'Brien has 700 episodes. And, and you know what? He'll never. And that's the thing, too, is um, people are always telling us, or not always, but like in the past, you know, when we were three, four hundred episodes deep, maybe even two hundred, people were like, "Should we be counting episodes?" And like that's that's kind of dated. And I and I, I was always heavy on the, dude. That shows that's a badge of honor. Right. How many episodes we we do? And and I'll never forget one of the things that um you know, uh, episode. 500 guest Frangela said to us, which was 500 of anything is a big feat. And uh, we're 700 in, you guys. Whew. And I would argue, at least from my experience, these last 200 have really been very emotionally um, I really have appreciated and, and have helped me cope with the times these last 200 have been really uh have really helped me in terms of like just keep me motivated and and remember that through all these hard times there's all this good shit happening and exciting people to meet and if you're a friend of the show from the last like if you're new to the you know relatively new to the show in the last 200 we crank these out really quick because of sundance because of the pandemic because of all of these things we were actually just talking about this the other day when um we flash back to Shang Wang and <laughs> yeah. 2017. That was 2017, and we were at uh-huh. like episode 186. Ew. 
and that was five what four years ago that's crazy I was like, ah, 186 episodes, whatever. Like, well, and we we had that meeting with Shoshana yes. a few days ago talking Shout about out. ourselves. Thank you. Uh, and uh, cheers, you guys. We'll be drinking more at the game, so. But, um, you know, we were kind of doing kind of origin stories and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I joined Bitch Talk when we were 20-something episodes old. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Because remember, we did that. Um, we were we were with our our old, old co-host, and we did uh, episode number twenty five in the studio of Breathe Radio, and it was Breathe at the time before it became Go To Productions, and we had um, was it Matt, um, the singer guy. Oh, Matt Berkeley. Matt yeah, Berkeley on. Yeah, he, local musician. He brought his keyboard in and we oh, sang right. some song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. That's so long ago. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's it been a, a long road journey, but also it doesn't feel long at all. Somehow it's nine years and 700 episodes. And, and uh, bef- you know, before I get too... Before we get too far into the weeds, we actually have like a really cool interview coming up. In oh few, yeah, that's right. In a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, here. I mean, I I don't think we could have asked for a better seven hundred. No, it was very enjoyable. All, the whole so experience, everything from start to finish, um, was enjoyable. Granted, we didn't get a lot of sleep, and there was a lot of miles covered. Uh, <laughs> for sure, a little, bit of, little bit of driving, a little bit of driving. Back some and of forth. it, a lot of it's my fault, but. Driving. And and this this interview kind of fell in our laps. We didn't have to fight too hard for it at all, even though it was a very big get for us and very exciting. Everything just kind of fit into place. And we were doing the math and we were like, wait a minute, is this going to be our 700th? And sometimes life happens easily like that. And I appreciate and it. I like that. And I we like fucking that hated happens. it because it was yeah, very I'm, stressful. Like, what the fuck are we going to do for 700? Yeah. I'm tired. I mean, honestly, Ange has been somehow on it about 700 and I've just been like, I don't, not that I didn't care, but I'm like, it's going to come up. We'll figure something out. I had ideas about different people coming on the show, but I didn't like, I wasn't sending emails out yet because we also have been like, we've been setting up content and then doing flashbacks. I'm like, we'll figure it out. And then, yeah, bros, the movie. Um, landed in our lap and they were doing an in-person press day and they were doing a screening at the Castro in San Francisco, the historic Castro Theater in San Francisco. And it just kind of fell into place. It was, it really was, it was a magical night. And kind of, and kind of manifested it together when she was just like, I got, I don't know if we're going to be doing this Billy Eichner tour, but you know what? I got my flight. I'm gonna be here for 48 hours. It's another, it's a, it, 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 it's another whirlwind, and we'll see what happens. We were like, yeah, we don't know if we're getting it either, and it was we we didn't know that we were already on the list. Right. <laughs> it was just like we got pitched, and sometimes even if you get pitched, it's not a promise that you're gonna get because that's happened before. And uh, sometimes people aren't into doing podcasts. We get bumped um, for yeah. a bigger quote unquote sure platforms. or whatever happens. Uh, so it was like, okay, we got it. Okay, we'll put our name on the, like, I answered right away, yes, we want to do this. And it just happened. 
And the screening the night before was amazing. We had a lot of fun. We we bookended it with a, a, a trip to the bar. So we had a full night. Yeah, it was. Uh, we started at Twin Peaks in the Castro, one of my favorite bars in San Francisco. If you haven't been, go when you're in the city. Um, it's a legendary bar in the Castro. It's right on the corner of Castro and Market. I love it. I love the bartenders. They fill your wine up to like the tippity top. Um, I, I looked behind the bar. There was a, a full nude calendar with a dick uh, in my face. I wasn't prepared for that. Angie and I were having a very serious conversation. <laughs> and I looked and I was like, wait, hold on. Uh, it was like um, play, Playboy, really. He is risen. Like, there we'll was a penis. That, right? um, yeah, he is, he is risen. risen. <laughs> uh, and I, I just, I love Twin Peaks. And it's always good people watching. It's just like all the old gays are there. Someone way back in the day called it the glass coffin. And I am offended because it's one of my favorite bars. And it's not the glass coffin. I don't care if it's the old gays. I love it. And they call me an old gay. I'm not, but... The music was on point, but the line outside to go see the film was crazy. It was down the block and around the corner, so we saw it moving, and Angie and I kept going like, should we go in? Should we go in? They're letting people in. Should we go in? And by 6.30, the screening was at 7. We're like, okay, we're going to go. We were a little worried. But I told her, I'm like, there's going to be like a press area for us to sit. Um, and we told Char, like, She's coming in from far away. Like, your name's on the list. Just come in. I'm like, we're, I counted the rows. I'm like, we're seven rows up from the, from the screen. And we're on the left side. And you'll find us, whatever. And uh, Char found us. And we got to, like, give hugs to people. And when Char came in, we finally were like, I think this is our first in-person big screening that we have like we haven't done it since Sunday since 2020 yeah at all and it, this was a really big deal it was a really magical night uh, we touch on it in the interview but it was unlike any screening uh, any movie in-person movie I've ever watched in a theater and the we energy had drinks for Char already laughing. as soon as she got there we're like here you I go I mean Captain Party was prepared for Char's right. arrival <laughs> well that I that two things too actually Char Mm -hmm. <laughs> a drink You're and a half. Welcome. A drink and a half, thanks. But um, but that was the thing, too, is if you're, you know, with COVID and everything, there's a lot of people that are wondering if going to a movie theater is still the thing to do right, right. or whatnot. And going to this screening and the energy that you get, that you feed from, like, a good audience, I mean, that you, you have... It's like, that's, it's like, this is the reason to go to a movie theater you know what i mean but the castro is so special because the organ was playing when we walked in the sisters of uh, perpetual indulgence were there just looked them up sister roma came in and when Angie and i got there we didn't know they're like oh by the way there's a meet and greet and we're like what are you talking about like personally i don't like doing those things before we uh interview people because i just like the if element gonna, of if surprise we're gonna interview them and yeah. i don't want to have a conversation before we interview them i just for me that you don't want to miss yeah and and um I, I i do have to say that the um we haven't really talked about the film but bros no. is the first ever rom-com 
about two gay men. Yes. Uh, that was funded by a major production company like Universal real Pictures. Money, real money and was Judd spent Apatow. on making this film. And it was written by co-written by Billy Eichner and, and Nicholas Stoller. And it's also the first um, film to be mainly cast by LGBTQIA and uh, Aaron likes to say even the straight characters in the film were played by gay characters openly yes. gay everybody in the film is openly gay and that's mostly, really exciting mostly, mostly 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 there's one there's a couple of surprises For my count, there was one yeah yeah but it's and, and we're in the castro and it was just like so many inside jokes that are not you know that we've joked about for years are now in a film you know about just gay culture and, and dating within the queer community and yeah, it was-, it was magical. Char got there, Oregon played out. Our friend Liam Maklem, who's been on this show during our Bourdain crawl, was the, uh, the MC at the beginning. Shout out to Liam. He had a full audience of people that it was an electric crowd. And I didn't know this before we went in, it was the US premiere of the film. They had only screened this in front of um, the TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival in Canada a few nights before. And then they screened it for the first U.S. audience at the Castro. So it was just like everyone was on one. That's all I'm going to say. Everyone was on one. And then Char was especially excited. (laughs) Well, it was so random because I um, when you said, okay, so we did have that special press section. And so we actually did have a little bit of space in bet- around us. There were yeah. some seats in front of us, a few seats, a couple seats next to me. Uh, man, if there were three seats next to me, he might actually sat next to me. We don't need, we didn't need that. <laughs> I didn't no. need, I There's definitely no, didn't need because that. Because then you wouldn't have focused on the movie. But, um, uh, the, you know, uh, the ushers and stuff like that were just like counting seats. Audrey, and, I'm going to give her a shout out. Right. Um, you Who know, a lot of them with. are friends of ours that Aaron's worked with and that we've worked with for many years. But anyways, um, I what was funny was I saw Liam walk down and then they were like counting seats. And then um, somebody was just like, oh, we're going to put them up here. And like they the the, this they were like kind of escorting somebody. And I wasn't really paying attention much. And then you went, oh, look who's here. And I didn't see. I didn't hear what you said because I saw uh, Liam. So I was like, oh, yeah, I saw him. And then I looked up and it was Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Right. <laughs> so literally yeah. Lars sits right in front of Shar. Uh, With his wife and kid. It was really sweet. It was really cute. And um, I just, I, I, I leaned over to Shar and I looked at her and I was like, Dana's here. Oh, absolutely. This is Dana's doing. Because, Danny Keys of Shar's yeah. best friend who yeah, recently Rehab, passed away, who but we she lost earlier in the year. Was a daughter of a, the drummer of the Doobie Brothers yes. and the music head and had she life experiences. She would have been. She would have been. She, she probably would have been, been sitting next to me, and the two of us would have been elbowing each other. She would have found a way to take weird pictures. Oh yeah, I saw you start trying to take a picture. I was trying to take a picture, but I wasn't trying to do it really bad. I was trying to do it in a funny way so that I could send it to like my brother and my cousins and all other people, but but there was but the the lighting in the room was so bad, so it really was like, yeah, right, Char, that's really Lars Ulrich, that shape of a head in front of you. Cap on. Well, it was yeah, it was just hilarious because yeah, it's just like Dana's here. That's her little present to us. 
because yeah, it's hilarious. Thing, another thing that, you know, we can just laugh about. Yes. Thank you, Dana. Made the night fun. Um, but honestly, the film is very good. I had very low expectations. I saw the trailer and I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. Uh, it also is a little triggering because um, <laughs> there's some real life shit. There's a couple of jobs in the film, things that Billy Eichner's character has. And I'm like, oh, I, it's triggering. Um, but the movie is so, it's just, it really is very good. Well written. The jokes are hilarious. We missed half of them because yeah, theater was Everyone was roaring. laughing so hard. And I missed some jokes because Aaron kept saying, it's Amanda Pierce from Married with Children. Married with I Children. I just said Married, Married with Children. children. That's all Five I said. Times. No, like and two. I, was like, I know. Two. I'm missing the You didn't say you know. You were like, oh. I'm missing the jokes. Anyways. I already knew. Yeah, I ruined the movie. Not to mention, it was written so well that it was so smart. It was yes. like rapid fire. Like, you had to be... You had to be on top of it to catch everything. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. And I also want to note that you're going to hear, look, we're going to get to this interview in a minute. Oh, Sorry, yeah. this is a 45-minute <laughs> intro. I think Shar's going to have to cut this down a little bit. But, hey, it's our 700th. Fuck yeah, the world. Yeah, fuck everyone. Yeah, um, but not Billy Eichner. No, and not Luke McFarlane. No. I think the one thing that Billy and also Luke wanted to hit home and anyone that's promoting this film is that this film, of course, New York, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, all those places. But they really wanted to hit home that this film will be in the Midwest. This film's going to be in little towns, which is a huge deal because this film, it's a game changer for gay culture and for queer culture. It just is. So there are going to be little, you know, teenagers that maybe lie to their parents and go see this movie or parents will take. Yes, it is rated R or parents will take their maybe queer kids or, you know, queer curious kids to it because they're cool and be like, yeah, let's just go see this and, you know, see what you think. And it's it's a game changer. And I think that they really are invested in that. Right. And I, I it's not an exaggeration. I I. This is another example of why I'm jealous of kids that are being uh, that that are, you know, young teens or junior high age that get to experience things like this and, and see themselves represented on screen. Granted, they have a lot of other shit to deal with, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous that kids are going to watch a movie and, or know a movie like this exists. Um, but I, but I do have to say that our interview today was incredible and they were both super gracious and, and oh, look we got the y'all we got there at 7 30 in the morning and we had a late late-ish night last night and we drank and we got there we did our covid testing and we we're thank goodness like the first whatever local um we warmed them up journalists we, we were there and, uh what's it called we were their fluffers if you will for nah, this press i don't want to Nah. Okay, but sorry. They were <laughs> no. What? We flipped them no. up. They're ready for sure. the day. But it was really sweet. They came in and um, they wanted to know our names. We told them it's our 700th episode, and they were really cool on that. And they were just, and you'll hear Ange, not me, gets emotional on the first question, accidentally, yeah, which was really sweet, and I they got a little emotional too. I did, and Luke actually kind of made Luke. fun of me because he saw all my notes. He's like, whoa, look at yes. all her notes. He was like, okay. whoa, whoa. He's like, you have a lot of notes. And I was like, Luke, okay, 
one of my notes was just don't pee yourself because I was so excited. I couldn't believe after the screening, yeah. after watching the film, after being in their presence. And we do have to say before we go and we need to let you in, uh, enjoy this interview. Aaron and I were like debating about one thing oh, that right. we were potentially going to bring up. In it the wasn't interview. even debating. It was like the first email I sent you when we got pitched. Right. Because I was like, oh, this will be hilarious. Yeah, because we can bring up. We could bring up this uh, thing. So, so uh, in 2020, November of 2020, before yeah. the world went completely dark. Yeah, for, for, for you. Definitely yes. for me. Before my whole life changed. Yes. We went to Tahoe. Yes, and right we after had Thanksgiving. a beautiful Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. It couldn't have been a more perfect no. trip. Uh, as we do, I mean, we vacation well, Limber, Erin, mm-hmm. let's just say we vacation well. So we're in Tahoe. We have the best time. And I brought mushrooms. Yes. Because I just had mushrooms. So why not? <laughs> I didn't anticipate that I'd hurt my knee. I had torn my ACL oh and my, my Oh, um, my God. Meniscus. That's right. So I was like, maybe we shouldn't eat mushrooms because my knee's fucked up. But I was like, or we could just eat them and sit on the couch, which we decided to do. And we watched Billy on the Street for maybe three hours laughing our asses off laughing for three hours well i told Ange <laughs> later i'm like it could have been three hours it could have been 45 minutes i don't really know because i don't know it was my first time doing shrooms and Ange was so good about like let's just do it in the the thing that i brought i can't remember what the name oh, of it is what is it called we the, melted the chocolate melted with the shrooms the reese's pieces perfect with shrooms. it was perfect and it tasted so good i laughed so hard <laughs> i also saw erica badu in the in the grain of the wood as well as an Asian woman like their faces change and then I would get up to go water I was so thirsty and my knees would buckle but I was like I gotta go get water and but laughing so hard but Billy on the street was our constant it was the best and we I I lost count of how many episodes we watched we just we were this morning we were like okay do we bring it up? Do we not? Because we only have 15 minutes. Yeah. And Aaron was like, let's feel it out because, you know, maybe a more Sometimes serious interview. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know, you know how you people never are know. doing. Let's feel it out. And, and I it said, was early. And I said, oh, yes, our interview was at 8 a.m. Uh, and our COVID test was at 7.30. So we had zero sleep. So I said, okay, when Shar gives us the two-minute warning, we'll feel it out. If it feels right, we'll bring it up. Yeah. So they had somebody that was sitting there and he gave me a three-minute warning. So I was like, all right, let's fill it out. Let's fill it out. Right after he gave me a three-minute warning, Shar gives me a two-minute warning. <laughs> so obviously, your times, you you both were... And I was like, oh, my God, now it's two minutes, and they're still talking. And then after you give me the two-minute warning, he gives me the rap sign. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to rap. She had to rap So it. I rapped. But when we were done, we brought up... Aaron brought up... I brought I was like, look, we were going to bring this up, Billy, but, like, the first time... And I said mushrooms, and I meant to say shrooms, whatever... I you sounded like an old lady. I did you totally sound like a mushroom. Yeah, I did some mushrooms. I had some magical I ate a ones. Mushrooms in 2020. <laughs> and it was so funny. Um, but that's not what happened. I was like, yeah, I did shrooms. And like, Ange and I did it. And Ange had to clarify, like, it was her first time. And we're like, we watched Billy on the Street for like three <laughs> hours. And they both cried. They both were up. laughing. They and were like, like, what? And then the guy who gave you the rap was like, what? You guys should have brought that up. They're like, well, you rapped on me, buddy. Well, no. Oh, sorry. Take that out. Sure. No. <laughs> but yeah. So it, anyway, we did get to share with them. And he said to Anne, and he's like, oh, I get a lot of stories like that. Believe it or not. Like I get a lot of stories of like people doing crazy things and watching Billy on the street because it's hilarious. So, you know, I also want to say before we toss to the interview, 
I didn't realize until like the last week I'm kind of a fangirl of Billy Eichner because I was telling Ange and Shara, I was like, I love Billy on the street. I love him in Parks and Rec. If you haven't seen the later seasons of Parks and Rec with Billy Eichner in it, please do. And then there's a show that he was in with Julie Klausner, who's a writer, comedian, whatever, called Difficult People. Go find that show. It is wonderful. If you have dark humor, if you have sarcastic humor, if you love Billy Eichner, it's one of my favorite shows that we found during the pandemic and Billy Eichner's in it. He's in I think it's three or four seasons. It's so good. And he kind of plays himself. And it's just, it's a good show. So I love Billy Eichner. I didn't realize how much uh, until and, recently. And we all collectively love Luke McFarlane. I, come back, dude. I, you I made him cry in. almost. I rushed in for the photo. You know, Aaron was going to hug one. I was going to hug other. the other. You know, I, I wanted to hug both. But I kind of rushed in on Luke because. Well, we've got. Yeah, we've got a we've got a, we had a good we had a great rapport with those guys, so hopefully we're gonna we're gonna shoot for the stars and try to get them back sometime. I, and this is our seven hundredth, motherfuckers. God damn. I'm tired. Can we I'm take a really, break? I'm really excited. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and this is coming <laughs> I mean, up for other actually reasons. I mean I mean I'm excited. Parts too. of my body are very excited. Welcome to episode number seven hundred. Uh we're actually pretty much uh in about 24 hours, we'll be on our way to Southern California. Oh, shit. And yeah. we're going to go to a festival. Yes. Uh, to celebrate uh, the Ohana Festival on my birthday and see yes. Stevie Nicks. Krungbin and uh, Brittany Howard, who I love from the Alabama Shakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I am. I cannot. Yeah. St. Paul and the Broken. But it's so a great have, lineup, we actually. Have some I mean, big things. We have a lot to be That actually about. might be next episode. Who we knows? have a lot to be grateful for. Thank you for all of our listeners. Yes, for thank you, guys. For sticking with us for however many episodes you've been around. God, aren't you sick of us yet? <laughs> I know. And <laughs> I hope we're not too Eeyore, but sometimes we're happy. Yeah, it's and real today life. we're very happy. We're going to go see the Giants win because fuck Atlanta. Anyways, 700. Woo woo. Enjoy our interview and we'll we'll see you on the flip side. And go see bros. Go see bros. Bro out. Bitches. September 30. It's a good day. All right, Bitch Talkers, we are celebrating our 700th episode with a bang. Literally, we are sitting down with the stars of the film Bros, Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> so, so we just came from the premiere last night, the U.S. premiere, which was at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. And I have to start off by thanking you for probably the most exciting, emotional, funny film experience I've had in I don't know how long. Oh, thanks. And for us, I'm getting emotional, sorry. For us, being from, <laughs> being yeah. from the Bay, we know the cultural significance of the Castro. You could have had this in LA, San Francisco, or New York. Can you talk about why you chose the Castro Theater in San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, 
I grew up in New York City. It's obviously an LGBTQ mecca and one of the gay capitals of the world. But San Francisco, when you think about the history of queer life in America, really is the center in so many ways and the heart and soul of LGBTQ history in America. Um, I don't think we would have made progress throughout the country had, you know, we not made progress here first. Um, and it just made all the sense in the world that bros had its first public screening at the Castro, you know, which is in the center of it all. And it was really, it was wonderful. It was a packed theater. You know, it's it's been really remarkable because we had the world premiere of the movie a few nights ago at the Toronto Film Festival, also in a huge theater for thousands of people. It was wild. And I think that theater was probably mostly straight people um, who absolutely loved it and were laughing out loud. You couldn't hear the joke sometimes because they were still laughing at the last joke. And that was amazing to see because I do think the movie is very relatable for everyone. And then it is a very different, even more special experience to like sit in a room like the theater at the Castro, which was probably largely an LGBTQ audience last night and feel the very, you know, specific emotional connection that that audience has to the movie. I think so much of our movie is also examining, you know, queer history and understanding that we do have a history and that we've come from somewhere in San Francisco, obviously, I think. Compton's cafeteria riots yeah. that mm -hmm. happened here yeah. and then the longest running gay bars here. I mean, it's a place where people came to feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's a place where they could be themselves. And now I'm getting emotional. So it's so lovely to bring something back as a sort of like gift in a weird sort of way. Yeah. yeah. It was very, very moving. Um, Billy, you're the executive producer, writer, um, co-writer, co-writer, co-writer. Yes. yes. Nicholas Stoller. Yes. <laughs> um, did you feel like you had to wear all three hats to get this film made and for people to actually see it on the big screen? Um, I mean, I know Judd Apatow. That's a nice name to have linked to it. But did you feel like you needed to wear those hats to get this made? Yeah. I mean, I... There's a lot of pressure on this movie, you know, and I really wanted to get it right. I knew it was a huge opportunity for me. So, of course, selfishly for my own purposes, I wanted it to be great. But I also really wanted it to be great for our whole community and for straight people to get a real look at what it's really like um, in a fun way. You know, like, you know, we have to be careful all the stuff about the historical context of the movie, which is very important to acknowledge and to celebrate, but kind of makes it feel like a drama when it's anything. But, you know, it is a very funny movie. And when we set out, you know, you don't sit down and, and say, let's write a historic movie today. You don't even sit down and say, let's write a gay movie. You know, Nick Stoller, who I wrote it with, is straight. Judd Apatow, who produced the movie, is straight. Um, those guys are responsible for making some of the funniest movies of the past 20 years between the two of them, Bridesmaids and 40-Year-Old Virgin and Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Knocked Up and Neighbors. And these are like massive mainstream comedy hits. Um, and so our focus was really, let's make the funniest friggin' movie possible. You know, I don't think you get many great comedies these days. And we really want to give people uh, 
the right reason to leave the house. Like, you know, yes, we want you to leave the house and celebrate the movie because it's historic in certain ways. But what you're really going to get out of that is a movie that makes you laugh a lot and is also an emotional film for people. So, that was our focus. Like, how come we've never had a Bridesmaids or a 40-year-old virgin, like that style movie that happens to be about a gay couple and it's populated by mainly LGBTQ characters that's produced at this scale? Right. We've certainly had many wonderful indie movies and there's great shows streaming, but a major studio film that's getting widely distributed to over 3000 theaters in North America that also happens to be an R rated Judd Apatow produced gay rom-com that doesn't happen every day. So we wanted to make sure that we got it right. But it's a unique it's a unique pressure. I mean, I don't think people watched Bridesmaids and said, that's not what Bridesmaids are actually like. That's <laughs> so true. You know, so we definitely had to do that. And go, like, to go back to your question, Angela, about like Billy wearing all the hats. Like, I need to just say from my perspective, he was writing, he was talking to the costume department. He was writing a song literally during the filming. He... And he is the only person who could have done all that. He's the only person who could have done all that. And partly because it was his story, but because he had the vision and the voice. And, and, and truly, I, I can't imagine anyone else doing it other than Billy. That's nice. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel the same about Luke playing the role. That's true. Um, you know, romantic comedies, as great as the script is, they live or die based on the chemistry of those two characters. And by the way, we've seen many movies where they, they throw two very famous people together and very talented people together thinking, all oh, right, well, those two are both great actors, so that'll be great. But sometimes the chemistry just isn't there. Name names. Uh, yeah. I, spill the tea. Spill the tea, that. Billy. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but, but you all know what I mean. You yes. know, a chemistry is that's a, a, a magical rare thing who even knows what creates chemistry but really um to have luke from the second luke walked into the audition room like nick and judd and i just looked at each other when he left just saying oh my god like that's the guy thank god it's a hard role to cast you know and but there was always a little spark between us um it's and now completely gone it's out. now gone <laughs> it's um, dimmed it's, it's dim. now all we have it died i feel it else. i still feel <laughs> it in this room right now yeah um so no truly like luke brings so much to the character and we did not want to make a romantic comedy where one character was very fleshed out and the other one is just, you know, one dimensional or two dimensional. And I think what's fun about the movie is that you get to watch both of us evolve. You know, the movie is really about, it's about two guys who really pride themselves on not needing someone and being emotionally unavailable and not needing to be codependent who unexpectedly when they're both around 40 fall in love for the first time you know how do you navigate that like those walls need to come down you need to be vulnerable and that's that's not only a story about gay men that's a story about men in general right and um so that's that's really what it's about and and you know luckily luke and i both really committed to it and um we're very lucky to have him I'm glad you brought that up because I really did relate to your character, Luke. I mean, in in my younger years, you know, I did I dated a woman for a few years, and I would not introduce her as my girlfriend most of the time. And so this idea of code switching, you know, you you kind of want to make other people feel comfortable by not being your real self when that, in actuality you're the one that's not comfortable. Everyone else is for the most part fine. So can you talk about making creating this character and still making him relatable and lovable and not a complete asshole for for being? 
being that way. It was funny when I read the script, I, I felt like they just kept on adding asshole qualities to him. And I was like, <laughs> they're just not going to like him at the end. Um, in fact, the uh, steroids was a sort of later addition to the thing. And I was like, really? Steroids as well? It's not steroids. It's testosterone. It's testosterone. Yes, very good. Very good point. I mean, I think Aaron is somebody that does care about what other people think. Probably too much, probably too much. But that is so much, I think, part of my personal experience growing up as a gay man, you know, making sure that everybody was comfortable about my identity and Bobby's character does not do that. But it's always funny watching the movie too. Like he's also trying to put on a, a sense of masculinity, a sense of sort of passability. I, I've talked about this before, but growing up in the 90s and a lot of the sort of men that we looked at were sort of kind of appealing to us, but we're also not being told they were gay. I'm thinking of like Mark Wahlberg up there in Times Square and his like briefs. And we're like, that is totally geared towards me as a gay man, but he is straight. So I wanted to be him. I kind of wanted to kiss him, but I didn't quite know. And watching the movie actually recently in Toronto, I realized how deep my voice was. And I do have a deep voice, but like even Aaron's voice was deeper than my actual voice. And I see you're a sound technician there, uh, making sure that she's, <laughs> she's getting me covered here. But I think that, that that's part of the masculinity. That's part of sort of what I did sort of instinctually that I was dropping my voice more and more and more to kind of live in this super masculine kind of thing. And as he becomes more open, he allows his voice to sort of have a little more color, a little more pitch, a little more dance to it, you know? Your voice better dance, Luke McFarlane. <laughs> dance for um, me, dance for yeah, me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, one of the co-producers of the movie, our, our good friend Sierra Pavia, was my assistant for many years before she be became co-producer. So we spent a lot of time together and we're close friends. And she once said to me, and I, I was not consciously doing it, but she said to me, because uh, most of my agents, managers, lawyers, all those folks are straight men, right? There are some gays and some women, but it's mostly straight men. Um, and she said, you know, anytime your manager calls, your voice drops two octaves. Hmm. And I didn't even realize I was doing it, right? So I'll be talking to her in the car like me. And then my manager, Troy, of course, that's his name, um, <laughs> would call and I'd pick up the phone and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? Like I, you know, I sort of, I do something to my voice that makes him comfortable, that doesn't freak him out. And I never even realized it. Um, and that kind of inspired a part of the movie. I think this is a perfect time to introduce our next guest, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. She's wonderful in bros. A real, real stretch. Can, can we talk about casting? And, and I want to know if, Luke, when you read the script and you went into audition, did you know that this was going to be a LGBTQIA cast? And did that, did that inform any of your decisions and really wanting to be a part of the film? Um, and for Billy, were you a part of the casting throughout the whole process? Um, I don't think I knew explicitly because actually you can probably address this better, but I, I don't know if you're – are you allowed to like put out – explicitly like everybody needs to be openly LGB. I, I knew that they wanted to cast my part mm -hmm. as an openly gay man, but I don't. I didn't know about everybody in the entire cast. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the rules are. We just did what made sense yeah. for the movie. You know, it would have been for this particular movie. Once you see it, especially you realize how hypocritical it would be if we hadn't gone in this direction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, Look, the whole cast is openly LGBTQ, even in the straight roles. You know, that's something very rare, especially in a, again, a, a movie, mainstream major studio movie being produced and released at this scale. 
Um, no one wants to make any strict rules about mm. art, mm-hmm. right? Um, movies are art. Even major studio broad comedies are technically art. You can art. say it. You can say um, it. And art shouldn't have any strict rules applied to it. However, art's not made in a vacuum. And this is a business too, right? Hollywood's a big business. So like we're talking about equity here and equal opportunity and who's getting hired and who's not getting hired the way we would talk about it in any corporate situation, right? Um, And so we just thought there is a long history in Hollywood where the most high profile, highly visible LGBTQ roles are almost always played by straight actors right to great acclaim they win awards it's something that they've done to show people that they're serious that they're brave that they're willing to do anything even play gay like can you believe it like you know and, 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 and so and by the way some of those performances were fantastic like no one's saying that they weren't but for so long, gay actors didn't get to play our own roles. And we never got to play the straight roles. On the, I mean, openly gay, right? Obviously, there were closeted actors doing whatever they want, but that's just not the same. And so we just saw this movie as an opportunity to try to correct that imbalance, you know? And I really think that the movie is better for it creatively. It also, having all LGBT, LGBTQ actors allows us to poke fun at ourselves, which we do in the movie a lot. This is not a sanctimonious movie. You know, it is a big, wild, raunchy, sexy comedy. We all make fun of each other. Different parts of the community make fun of the other parts of the community. There's, you know, big boardroom scenes at the museum that I work at, um, which is an LGBTQ history museum, which are some of the funniest scenes of the movie. So um, I'm really glad that we did that for many reasons. I, I think just go back to your question. I... I kind of, my sort of highest profile thing was playing a gay character. And after that came to an end on Brothers and Sisters on ABC. And then after I made a very clear dis- decision in my mind, I was like, I, I want to play other characters that are not LG. And I worked very hard to be able to be accepted as a romantic lead in a lot of Hallmark films, as a action hero in a, a sci-fi show. And it was for me, it was very important that I get to play these different kinds of characters. And when this script came along, I was like, well, this is exactly the kind of thing I, I want to do now. And I think as an actor, you're always looking for the next kind of particular challenge as that relates to how people see you. So for me, like, you know, I wonder moving on from this, will it be harder again? And as a 40-year-old man too, like the guys who have stuck around who are my age that I'm competing with for the you know, straight romantic leads is going to be very difficult and will take another act of courage by a producer in a studio to say, let's cast that openly gay actor as a romantic lead beside Emily Blunt, you know, and that that is where the sort of bravery comes from, from studios, from people that say, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Whereas I will be playing Emily Blunt (laughs) in the Emily Blunt biopic (laughs) that I've been developing. You can play Emily's Blunt. Oh, Let's think outside the box. Let's think outside the box. Yeah, so thank you so much again. This was such an enjoyable film. We have to watch it again because I missed half of the jokes. But uh, we hope all of you go out to see it. And this is the first of many to come. We've been sitting down with Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane from the film Bros. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are great. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. 
This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.